Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Swearing Mamas podcast. I'm Lauren, and today I'm here with my grandmother. Hello. My name is Wendy, and um, I raised four children, three girls, and then finally a little boy. And I have 10 grandchildren, and only one of those is a girl. And It's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's Lauren. And um, I was wondering if anybody had any input on their experience in the difference in raising boys and girls. In my case, um, it's a little iffy because my boy... Being the youngest, he was kind of the baby too. So only boy and the baby put him in a special kind of frame there. Um, he got not only a lot of attention from me, but his older sisters kind of catered to him most of the time too and looked out for him and gave him every break they could. <laughs> it was just a little different <laughs> for him. So... Um, then having grandchildren, that was such a surprise to me to have all those boys and one little girl. It was just <laughs> completely a new experience. Um, and I found it amazing that your grandchildren can mean just as much to you as your very own children. <laughs> um also, I have Aww. the one grand, great-grandson, Oliver, and of course, he's the apple of my eye, and he's adorable and precious, and now <laughs> I'm wondering if he has going to have any sisters, and if so, what Lauren will find as um, a difference between raising the two. We're going to reel it in <laughs> on the siblings. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, not planning to have any more of my own, um, unless, you know, I'm just told otherwise by the good Lord, but, um, <laughs> no, I, I am hoping to one day be a foster mom and maybe also adopt. So Oliver, I hope will one day have all kinds of uh, siblings in a way, even though I'm not really planning right now to have another of my own. We'll see. I'm only, you know, I've only had him for a year and a half, so I'm sure it could change. But that uh, fostering has kind of been on my heart since I was pregnant. Wow, that's so wonderful. That's the plan. And yeah. So what do you see as differences between raising boys and girls? I mean, you're very observant, and some of your well, friends have little boys, and um, I don't know. They seem to have a lot in common, but uh, the girls, I don't know what you would think about that. It's such a different experience. Yeah, all the little girls in Oliver's playgroup are, like, so well-behaved and good and sweet, <laughs> and then there's, like, my child running around just, like, screaming. <laughs> 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 so I don't know maybe they throw fits at home but I'm just every time I see them I'm like wow or like you know they'll try to go somewhere and their parents will be like you know like don't go in you know the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever and they'll just turn around and listen and I'm like what 
<laughs> my son does not do that that thing called listening. <laughs> well, he's pretty young yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I'm not like one of those people who you know, a lot of people when they have um a boy, they feel like they have to put them in a lot of like football themed clothes and like just it's all like super like uber boy it's all about like dirt and mess and sports and trucks and um we haven't that's just not my thing (laughs) um you know like his nursery is like forest themed as you know um and so obviously i let him play with whatever he wants to play with uh, and he does have some of that stuff too, like tractors and stuff. But uh, yeah, I feel like when left to his own devices, he'll choose mostly uh, to do music. Like he loves to play the drums, but then he does really like to be outside in the dirt. And I don't know if that's <laughs> a boy thing or if it's his genes because Seth really likes to be. I love to be outside too, but. Oliver and Seth maybe don't mind the dirt and the mess quite as much as I do. I don't know if it's a boy thing or if it's a Howard thing. Um, I don't know. Um, Sometimes little girls like to do that, you know, play in the dirt kind of thing, too. Um, When your mother was little, I remember one Christmas. I mean, she had plenty of dolls and tea sets and things like that all my girls did but one year your mom decided she wanted a Tonka truck <laughs> and she got that and she actually did play with it <laughs> it was so funny to me to see such a tiny delicate little girl playing in the dirt with a Tonka truck <laughs> oh I love it so you're not you were not the one of those mothers that was like my kids not playing with that toy. That's right. for boys. Like, that's I, I don't girls. believe in putting my attitudes into my children, or you know, they need to find out who they are without me telling them what's right and what's wrong about certain things, like what toys to play with or anything like that. And um, they were free to make choices about those things, and sometimes the girls played with things that are often considered boys' toys. And as far as my son, he never asked for anything like a tea set or a baby doll or anything like that. He had action figures like Superman and Spider-Man <laughs> and Kung Fu, whoever that was, Kung Fu G.I. Joe or whoever he was. <laughs> Uh, I don't yeah. know if he had asked for a baby doll if I would have actually gone that far. <laughs> but um, as far as like holding something like that of his sisters or something, um, he sometimes did, especially when they were playing together, you know, as a group. And um, they hand him a baby doll. He would hold it and be careful with it. And um, yeah, he was very tender and. Um, I didn't discourage that, mainly because I didn't want to make him think it was wrong um, or make him feel like that was a kind of a sissy kind of thing to do. I just wanted to um, let him form those kinds of bonding understandings. And when he grew up, became a father, he was just like that. He was very, very loving, tender. 
father, and he still is. Although all his kids are teenagers now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So was that like a thing when during that time when you were parenting? Was that kind of like a thing that people had that attitude? Because like now people don't really – it's still a mm-hmm. thing, obviously, for a lot of parents. But I think we're like outgrowing that a bit as a society. But I do think when I was a kid, that was definitely an attitude that some right. parents had. You know, like other boys in my class would be like, ew, pink, you know. So, I mean, was that – a thing that other parents did growing up? Were you just like super woke or was it just not a um, thing? <laughs> I felt like about the time my kids were little, um, it was beginning to change quite a bit more. Um, you know, from like my childhood, girls were girls and boys were boys pretty much. And yeah, you wouldn't have caught any little boys dressing in pink or anything like that. But um, then yeah. as things changed, um, there was like this big fad of boys wearing pink shirts and whatnot. But like I said, that came a couple decades later. <laughs> yeah, I remember in like middle school, it was a thing of guys wearing like hot pink. And mm-hmm. uh, there was like these shirts that said like real men wear pink and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, okay. there's still some of that... Um, prejudicial kind of stuff going on but uh, I think as um, time has changed society's views on those sorts of things have grown and developed more understanding yeah it seems that way Um, and hopefully in a you know generation or a few generations it's just like not even a not even a common right. thing. I just don't see any reason to have issues with with that sort of thing. Yeah, I've even seen like things from other parents who are not much older mm-hmm. than I am saying just mean things about how we're raising sissy boys and things like that and to me I'm like well one I don't think I'm raising a sissy boy because I think when you raise a boy who is empathetic Mm -hmm. and understanding, they actually have to be much tougher than if they were just insensitive because when you take the time to like understand Mm -hmm. other people, like that's hard. It's emotionally taxing. So I think you have to be tough to do that. But also like, even if that did mean that I was raising a sissy boy, I'd rather raise a sissy boy than like a bully. Oh, right. Absolutely. Um, That's one of the things I kept in mind when my son was little. I didn't want him to be a sissy boy either, but at the same time, I wanted him to develop um, the kind of personality where he knew it was okay to be um, compassionate and kind. And uh, he was a good boy. He was a good kid and grew up to be a good boy. So. I'm happy with that. Good. Yeah. I think it's just like not even mutually exclusive. Like, I don't know why some parents are so afraid of their sons to just like be complex individuals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's just an old fashioned kind of way to look at things. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see it kind of going away that 
particular thing. Me too. I am. Cool. Well, um, so you had four kids growing up. Right. And that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started um, out, I wanted six. But oh, my God. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I got to that point in my life where I wanted a whole house full of kids. And to tell you the truth, um, you know, four ended up really fill, filling my life. And um, there was always somebody laughing or somebody giggling and people playing and um, questions. And I don't know, it was just a happy noise. And um, I would have to say the best time of my life was when all four of my children were still in my household. Um it was just, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of love, and they were good kids, very well um, behaved. And I was kind of strict, and sometimes they tell me I was too strict, and maybe I was. I don't know. All parents make some kinds of uh, things that their their own children grow up thinking, oh, that was wrong, and I'll never do that. And then they turn around and do the same things. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they turned out fine and kind, loving people. Christian people, so that was my goal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, was that a lot to handle, though, with having all those kids? And they are all pretty close in age, right. right? They are close in age, which I found to be a very good thing because they weren't just siblings. They were friends with one another. And... Um, it was easier that way to teach them um, to be a group and not have to um, look for too many things outside the home. Because um, when I was um, a kid, uh, I was so much younger than my brothers. I have no sisters, but... Um, you know, they kind of all stuck together, and I was alone quite a lot. And, um, I mean, I had toys to play with and an occasional friend over or something, but most of the time I was alone. And that was not a good you know, thing to have to face every day. It made me pretty introverted and shy and... Um, I had a lot to deal with it. I feel stemmed from that. So uh, having them close had, um, I don't know, had, had that going for it that they weren't alone. And um, the other thing was when you're finished with all the baby stuff all at once, you're like, oh, right, I can take a breather now. You don't have to start over like you do if your kids are far apart. You know, it's like all the bottles and all the diapers and everything. I'm finished with all that hard part. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what is the full age gap from your oldest to your youngest? Uh, my oldest girl was born in 1968. And then um, my next daughter, which would be your mother, of course, was born in 1970. And then... Your Aunt Crystal was born in 71, so they're pretty close. Um, And then there was 
um, nobody born in 72, <laughs> but in 73, <laughs> 73 <laughs> came my son. And um, so, yeah, they're pretty close. Yeah, that is. Okay, well, cool. That's You have a nice attitude about it. I think I'll be still tired for a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, when they're real little like that, you have to keep such a very close eye on them at all times that it's pretty tiring. Um, but as you teach them that, um, you know, to watch out for the dangerous things and, and to, how to handle emotions that's kind of a hard part but as they learn it's you know it's more of a joy than a task so you get a chance to unwind and relax a little bit and um i don't know you just have to be patient and uh show them a lot of love and it just gets easier that's what I'm looking forward to. We had a couple of weeks where Oliver was like in that stage where it was just like, oh, he can, he understands so much and he can do so much and we're having so much fun together. And then came my life now, which is, you saw him. You saw the way that he is. I think he's perfectly normal um, for his age. It seems like um, there really are, you know, you hear people say stages, they're in certain stages. It seems to me that that's a very true concept because um, I think Oliver, you know, he's just now developing who he is going to become. And everything's a little bit um, iffy to him from one moment to another. But I think yeah. that's uh, perfect for your um, a year old, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really fun well, for me. <laughs> His doctor was saying how, like, at that age, they don't get much of a say in anything. Like, they're being controlled when they, you know, when and what they do all day. So she's like, you know, he just wants um, to control the little ways that he can. Because mm -hmm. we were talking about, like, how he'll go through phases of being a really picky eater and, like, he'll only want to eat one thing one day or something she's like you know it's just his way of having like a little control right yeah i agree with that i can relate to that in my own life sometimes i have to question i'm like am i doing this just to feel like i have control maybe i should stop so i relate to oliver right now and i keep having to remind myself not to have temper tantrums <laughs> yeah well every you know i think every mother goes through those times when you just want to think oh my goodness this is just overwhelming um even if there's just one child you know not not mentioning siblings yeah. and whatnot but um especially if you're trying to do other things as well like with your band and all that you know you need um time to think for everything <laughs> and when you have a child that's a 24/7 kind of a um job in itself it's difficult to handle everything at once it so is and it is exhausting but that's one thing that's one of the reasons why i have so like all my life i always wanted to have three kids mm -hmm. and i did plan to adopt the third so mm -hmm. i wanted to have two and adopt the last one mm -hmm. 
And that was just kind of what I always thought I would do. Um, and I never ever thought I would just have one of my own. Um, and then I guess that like ever since we, whenever I had him, like I pretty much went full time doing like the band and writing and music. Um, and obviously the podcast mm-hmm. and different things. And like that really, uh, kind of changed how I view it because, uh, well, also, I don't think I've ever told this story on this podcast. So this was a factor too. Like when I was, um, pregnant, when I first got pregnant with him, before I even knew I was pregnant, uh, Seth and I saw my favorite band live, The Shins, and, we ended up meeting them afterward, but we didn't meet the singer. Um, but we met everyone else. And Seth was a Lyft driver at the time. And uh, the girl, one of the girls in the band, Patty, she um, was trying to get her Lyft app to work. It wasn't working. So Seth, I jokingly was like, Seth drives for Lyft. <laughs> and uh, some of the guys in the band were like, hey, really? Will you take us downtown? <laughs> So we were like, yes. So we actually all piled into his car. It was like six or seven of us. It was ridiculous. Um, and uh, we went downtown and whatever. We hung out with them. And they they said, hey, we're coming back in a few months to play another show. And we're going to put you guys on the list. So that was amazing. And it was at the, Ry- the Ryman Auditorium, which is, you know, a big yeah. famous venue. So anyway. They came back. They played the Ryman. We, they told us that we were on their guest list. So we went to the box office and to get our tickets. And they also gave us wristbands to go backstage. So we were like, Oh my God. Like we weren't expecting that. We got to go back there oh. and, you know, meet the whole band this time and hang out with them and everything. But at that point, I was super, I was like seven months pregnant, I think. I was really pregnant. I think I was seven months pregnant. So anyway, they were like, oh, whoa, did you have that before? <laughs> I said, uh, <laughs> said, well, I didn't know I had it at that time. <laughs> um, so anyhow, before we left that show, um, they knew that we had a band because we had discussed it before. And before we left um, that backstage party, we were kind of talking to some of the guys and they said, hey, like, you know, keep it up with the music. Everyone in this band has a family and has kids. Like, you can make it work. Like, just keep going. And Good encouragement. It was. And then, so then, like I said, after I had him and I came back and was doing all this other stuff full time, it really changed my view that, like, I could have a life doing those things. Right. Um, instead of just being a stay-at-home mom and then going back to work later or whatever it might have been that I was going to do, which there's nothing wrong with that either. That was what I had planned all my life to do, you know? But once I realized that, like, I have all these other things that I can actually, like, do, right? Um, I realized that, you know, I was going to take him along with me everywhere and do everything, like, with Oliver. So that's why he has gone to shows with us when he can and like you know if we ever get to tour like he'll come with us um if we're going like on a real tour like you know we'll find a way to make that work whether it's like getting one of 
you know, my family members to come with us and watch him or whatever it may be. But like, that's kind right. of, well, that's a good way to socialize. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's just different, like, to me, I'm like, he wouldn't grow up lonely or bored for the fact that he'll be surrounded by like, just a different kind of adventure, you know? Right. And he won't feel left out as well, you know? Yeah. And some people in any kind of show business can get so wrapped up, <clears throat> pardon me, in that, that their children start to feel neglected. But um, I think with you keeping him with you so much is a good thing. Yeah. And like, encur- we encourage him to, you know, do stuff too. Like we let him play. I let him play with my real guitar. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like, what is he going to do to it, really? He's not going to hurt it. And if he does, then I'll fix it. Like, it'll be fine. Um, I wouldn't do that if I had, like, a $3,000 guitar. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's just it's just a guitar. We let him play with the real drums. And um, to me, like, that's the best thing about parenting is sharing, like, all the joy like it's like if I were sitting next to him eating an ice cream cone of course I would give Mm -hmm. him a bite you know like that's what's fun about ice cream now it's not me eating it it's me sharing it Mm -hmm. with him well that's a good attitude thanks (laughs) (laughs) so all right between like when you were uh, when did you become a mom how old were you um not quite 18 oh my goodness and you crushed all that. Like, you were younger than me by the time you had all your kids and you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did all that. And then I am, like, pulling my hair out with one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there were times I felt like pulling my hair out, too. But, but um, you know, all, almost all my memories are very, very happy moments. Yeah, it does seem like... Well, it's hard for me now because I'm in one of those phases of, like, pulling my hair out. But before <laughs> before that started, <laughs> when I was, like, <laughs> reflecting back on, like, infancy for him, it was kind of like right. I remember it being extremely hard. Like, I remember a couple of times, like, breaking down and crying and, you know, different things, feeling like I couldn't handle it and all of that. But I <laughs> remember it as such short times where in the moment it felt so big right so right that helps too it doesn't last long yeah <laughs> okay so you were and this was in you said 68 mm-hmm. okay and then so hippie times <laughs> that's i got distracted because all i started thinking about was like woodstock and like <laughs> bell bottoms <laughs> well i did um, wear bell bottoms i wasn't really um a hippie type but um i was i don't know i believed in a lot of things that the 60s were or still are um you know well known for um but i wasn't into uh, some of the things like I didn't do drugs and um, the free love was a just terrifying idea for me, you know, because I thought, oh, my God, all these people are going to die. <laughs> and uh, but I, but, you know, it was a fun time as far as like the music and um, the yeah, clothing and things it. like that and having 
um, a child, you know, while all that was going on was, um, I don't know, it was just, it seemed like a good time, a right time. Oh my goodness. I would love to just go and like visit that time, that era. <laughs> like if I had a time machine. Yep, it was a fun time. Uh, okay. So how do you think things have changed from when you think back to that time being a parent and then what you see now being a parent? Like, cause it's so different. I'm it's sure. very different now. Um, in that, um, in my, t- my experience, uh, becoming a parent was, that was what everything revolved around. And you were saying earlier that you had come to the understanding that you could have your career and be a, a good mom too. And, uh, you and Seth were able to incorporate Oliver's childhood into your lifestyle. Um, growing up as a child in the 50s, when I then had my children, it was so ingrained into me that once you became a mother, you were expected to be a housewife. Um, that that's all I really um, considered. You know, um, when you're much younger, you think, well, when I grow up, I'm going to be a prima ballerina or whatever. You, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but then when, as you get a little older and those ideas change, you know, I'm going to be this or be that. Then when you realize um, your life has changed, motherhood at that time period seems like what your life should revolve around. And I think that was kind of um, stifling. It was stifling. And um, there weren't that many women at that time, young women that continued with their career ideas. Um, There were some of them um, had jobs, but not so much in careers, you know? And um, yeah. Now, I feel like society as a whole has grown in a lot of ways. And um, you have the opportunity to understand that you don't have to be just someone's mom or just someone's wife. Um, You can be everything that you want to be. You just need to work out a plan. And um, I don't regret being um, a homemaker when my kids were very small um, because we have a very tight bond. And and, um, I think part of that stemmed from that because of my own personality. Um, However, if I had thought like younger people think today with their little children and their babies, um, I think I would have probably taken a little bit different route. I um, would have 
continue with career ideas and um, had the uh, motherhood and the career um, ideas work together for me. So I could have given them not just um, baked goods and, and games and whatnot, but also um, more mm -hmm. um, things, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's hard it's hard and even now I feel like it's a lot of the time you're always having to choose mm -hmm. um one or the other a lot of the time um unless you've just found a way to like strike gold like for me what I'm doing like I just think that I got lucky being passionate about things I mm -hmm. can do on my own. Like I don't have to go to an office to do them, but at the same time I got very unlucky because mm -hmm. I don't really have a skill I can take to the office and get paid with. So, so mm -hmm. I just kind of have to like hope that I might earn a little money here and there um, or hope that something's going to work or pay off or, you know, take off in one way or another. Um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult balance. But I think that the biggest thing is that like whether you do all of that or if you're just a stay at home mom, like I don't even like to use the word just because, you know, staying home with your kids, even one kid and maintaining the house is hard and it's a lot oh, it's of work. It's a major, major job in yeah. itself. And even <laughs> if that is the only thing that you do as like a, you know, as like a job, mm -hmm. then I still think that you just need something for yourself. And that's like really what it comes down to for me is like with my passions, it's partly, it's partly that I want to make a life of it, but it's also partly that it's for me. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I think that moms really need. And it does make me kind of sad when I see moms who don't get any time at all to themselves because it can be something for free like I'm not saying you have to go to the spa every month like you can do like I'll do um yoga in my backyard next to my vegetables <laughs> it makes me very happy I talk to my vegetables <laughs> I tell them good morning um but that's mm -hmm. a different story <laughs> that's a whole um, other subject <laughs> talking to your vegetables is good for them okay um <laughs> but yeah i'll do some you know yoga or meditating um something like that is just like a time for me right you know like a time to myself and like i it's like i was actually just telling seth about this the other day is that i don't have free time in right, my life right so like Whatever I choose, what I choose to do is like, it's a decision and it's a sacrifice mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So like when I, so if someone were to be like, I don't have time to do yoga, the answer is I don't either. And I'm making a conscious decision that I'm going to do yoga mm -hmm. instead of doing the dishes and that that's going to be okay because like I'm a human right. being, not right. a dishwasher. I totally agree. I just so, wish people had that kind of understanding when I was younger, you know, um, it's just, that is something that's yeah. different. Um, you know, women back, like they say back in the day, didn't really, uh, very often make mm -hmm. time for themselves, which I think caused a lot of problems for them. 
um, you know, that could have been alleviated if they'd just taken that little bit of time for themselves, like you were saying. Yeah, it's important. Well, I'm glad we have that understanding a little more now, even mm-hmm. though I think we all still need the reminder. Even if you're not a mom, we all need a reminder to right. like that we're not just like a big part of a big machine, like mm-hmm. we're people and it's okay to like take a break. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about the 60s <laughs> <laughs> and the present day. What about like um, gadget types of things or what do you th- – so gadgets and then also like that's a positive thing. But what do you think – do you think there's like challenges that are here today or like what else? Well, um, I think one of the most important changes is that um, we now have such strenuous seatbelt laws um, things for safety, especially for the babies. Um, when I was younger, there weren't any seatbelt laws. Some cars didn't even have seatbelts. And as far as right, oh and as far as putting your child in some sort of safety device, um, that was pretty much unheard of. And um, there were car seats, but they were more for convenience rather than safety. And they weren't um, as well built and padded and, and uh, carefully designed as they are today. So I, that's, that's one of the things that really stand out in my mind. Yeah, it is crazy. And the car seats change so much so quickly that also like – if you've had a kid, like, and it's been a few years, you should go get that car seat. Like, you should get a new car seat or at least get it checked out. I don't know what the recommendations or laws are because they have, like, expiration dates or whatever on the car seat. But, like, right. seriously, because from the time that I, like, nanny to now, it's such a different mm-hmm. device. Absolutely. I did not know how to install. Mm-hmm. I cried installing Oliver's first car seat. I didn't get it. Uh, Seth got it and it was wrong. We had to go get it checked by a specialist. <laughs> but hey, I was like, okay, well, I feel safer about him now. They're they're very safe now. It's crazy. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen any of those pictures of car accidents with a car seat in the back? No. They're so crazy. There was um one that I saw recently and the whole car was like completely the car seat itself was like almost completely smashed like sideways and they told mm-hmm. about like how the baby was doing and the baby suffered like minor damages. Like the baby was okay. Wow. That is amazing. Whereas yeah. in my day the baby probably wouldn't have made it through alive. Right. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that I wanted to ask you about also that I know is really big now, I wanted to know if this was a thing back when you were a parent. So do you know about this Mommy Wars? Mommy what? Wars. No. Mommy Wars. No, what is Um, it? Basically, it's just like there's this extremely competitive attitude around parenting right now, and it's kind of like – moms are like super judgmental of each other and they are just like I said very competitive and like 
really judgmental <laughs> of one another. And it's like all, there's all these specific like hot items like vaccines, um, uh, breastfeeding, um, you know, whether you work or stay at home and like all of these many different things. It's like moms are so, 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 so mean to each other about it, especially on the internet. Wow. Um, well, of course, back before they, you know, the internet was even a thing, um, women often criticized one another, um, but it didn't get to the extreme that you're mentioning. I mean, you know, of course, everybody has their own opinions. Um, yeah. And sometimes there were squabbles between, you know, moms about you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. But um, as far as it being, you know, that that crazy, no. Not to my experience anyway. So you didn't feel, so you didn't feel that like pressure to just look a certain way or do the right thing in no, other people's eyes? No, I was eyes. concerned about what was right for my particular child or children at the moment, not what someone else thought. Yeah, that's how it should be. And like, for me, I always try and like trust my intuition, but I have caught myself several times just like worrying you know, or not wanting to say certain things in front of certain people because I don't want to be judged or whatever. It's so crazy to me. Right. Well, you have to, like you say, choose your battles because sometimes you can say something that actually will be a help to someone. But other times you have to just keep your opinions to yourself because it will only raise harsh feelings and not do anyone any good. Um but the thing about those times that you do speak up, it's not always what you say or advise, but how you go about it. Um, so if you do have something that can help someone, um, I think the best way to do that is just between the two of you, not in a room full of people, and not on the internet, and not to um, try to yeah. call somebody down or make them feel that they're inadequate as a parent. But if you can voice your opinion in a non-judgmental way, then that should be your ultimate goal. Yeah, it's a hard thing to me because I'm like, I super don't want anyone to feel like... Because, like, unsolicited advice, we've talked about it on this podcast before, is, like, it can be so, like, grating and annoying to hear. So I'm, like, really careful to not give it when I don't think it's necessarily helpful. But in general, I think my two, the two times when I'll speak up is, one, if I think that child is – their safety or health is in danger – Right. Like if a car seat's, if I were to see like a child in a car seat that's installed incorrectly, maybe, you know, like mm -hmm. you can say something to that person and that's not, that's not mom shaming. That's you trying right. to look out for their kid, which you would want someone to make sure your kid was safe. Right. And then the other time would be if I see, if I know something that's going to make someone's life easier, um, then I'll tell them. You know, like, 
just I see one of my friends struggling with something and they talk about it to me. I might mention like, well, this worked really well for me, you know, or I have this if you want one, I have an extra or whatever it may be. Exactly. So doing it without um, insulting someone else or hurting their feelings, that's the way to go every time. Yeah. Cool. Well, Les, um, I have one more question and then we'll wrap up. But um, what is it like? Because you've gone from mom to grandmother to Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) great-grandmother. Which, you know, I mean, it's better than just being an okay grandmother. (laughs) 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 That's my bad joke. That's my bad joke. Um, no. So, okay. How's that journey been? And like, I know you kind of, you went over it in the beginning, but like, what is the most surprising thing or the most best part or what? What's it? What's oh, it? it's hard to say what part is best. Um, like I said, when my children were young, that was my joy. Um, not, not that my life was perfect. It was far from that. Um, in other situations, but to be able to put my arms around my children, love them, and them love me, um, that was my joy. Um, and then later, as they grew and I had grandchildren, uh, one of the things I had heard was, oh, when you have grandchildren, you love them just as much as you do your kids. And I remember the first time I heard someone say that, I thought, how could that be possible? How could, how could I love another child as much as I do my own? But then when you have your own grandchildren, <laughs> that's a new joy all over again. And, Aww. um, it's hard to give them back to their parents after they've like spent the weekend or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> and you really do miss them when they're away. And, um, as far as a great grandmother, that just, tickles me to death. I just, I can't explain how much I think that being a great-grandmother has enriched my life. It's hard to put into words, but of course, I think my great-grandchild is this the most beautiful and the most uh, adorable and sweetest and smartest Grand great grandchild that's ever been well, on the face of the earth. Yeah, you you're correct about that. My kid is the best. <laughs> so so there are of course some differences, but there are many similarities to when my own children were were children. And um, as far as the best part, I just can't think of anything I can label as best, um, except for the knowledge that. Um, it isn't over yet. <laughs> more That's good awesome. times, more good times and more love to come. Is it weird to see, is it weird to like see that change? Like that your grandchild has a kid? Is that weird? Like- um, a little bit. Yes. I have to say it, it, it really is because, um, sometimes like, especially if I'm alone, it comes to me as a, a reality. And I'll say to myself, wow, I'm a great grandmother. You know, it's kind of, it's yeah. kind of but, um, but it always makes me smile. So, <laughs> so it's a good thing, you know, it's, it's weird. Yes. But 
it's weird in a good way. Yeah. I know. I'm kind of like, I'm the baby. <laughs> I'm the baby with at grandma's house. So right. he just needs to back off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So I think this has been really great. Um, there's one more thing that we like to close our episodes with, and that is a mom tip, parenting tip. Do you have something? It can be, it can just be any little piece of advice, something practical, something, you know, big or whatever, any age, any gender. What do you got? Um, I would say, um, my most important thing would be to believe in your child and even though you know kids go through that little stage where they might not always tell you the truth but you have to back them up um not saying you know to your neighbor i know my child didn't do that um, when you know he did but in the sense that they know you're always there for them you know, good or bad, right or wrong, um, yeah. you're always there for them, and you still have faith that they're um, a good person. So that can start at a very early age and continue even into adulthood. Oh, I like that a lot. That It's hard, but I feel like that's one of those, like, moments as a mom that we really get like a superpower because I can like have just told my child no or mm -hmm. yelled at him a little bit or taken something from him but then I'll still be able to like give him a hug and I'm like where did this if this had been Seth I would not be so loving right now. yep you know you have to sort those things out as they come oh <laughs> That's a really nice one. Well, thank you for joining us. and Thank you for having me. Yes. All right, guys. Have a nice week.